0: You'll open up your Bibles once again to Hebrews 11 uh, as we conclude this message on the preference of God. <clears throat> we've discussed as a just a, a real brief refresher. It's only been a couple hours. Uh, Matthew 5, of course, being the Beatitudes, the Lord's description of the preference of God, the how-to-be attitudes. It's literally explaining the preferences of God. We've gone through Hebrews 11 and looked at Abel and Enoch and Noah as examples of the very beginning of this chapter uh, of faithfulness, really, but an example of what the preference of God is in motion. And we concluded there with Noah. <clears throat> as we read there in verse 7, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. We see that in Genesis 6, it says, Thus Noah, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. So how far into fear was he moved? All the way. He did exactly what God told him to do. All the way through, according to all that God commanded him. What we see in verses eight through nineteen of Hebrews eleven is Abraham. This will be a little bit of a review for those who come to the Wednesday Night Studies as we've been going through Genesis. Uh, But for the purposes of this study uh, and being complete, I do want to read through it. Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 19. It says, by faith, again, not by Abraham, not by his wisdom, not by his strength, not by his cleverness, not by his bank account, not by his good looks. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. We should start to see something now on this fifth example. God acted upon these men, and then they did something. They didn't do something and then invite God to like it, invite God to approve of it. God acted upon them, and they responded. Abraham here was called. He was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, and he obeyed. He went out not knowing whither he went. How many so far think they could do what Abraham did? I usually don't. My family could tell you. I don't do a whole lot of things unless I know why. Uh, If the kids want to do something, I want to know why. I want to know who's going to be there. I want to know what time, when you're going to be home. The kids want me to do something. I want to know why. I find as a parent, I am most of the time looking for reasons and most of the time not finding them. Uh, Just 48 hours ago, went outside, the basketball hoop was broke. What happened? I don't know. I don't know. Did you do it, Dad? But that's how it tends to go. But here, Abraham was told of God and didn't know where he was going to go, but he went. Now, we know the details of Abraham for those who were in the study, those who know Genesis. uh, He wasn't always faithful. Before he even left Ur, he put a lie in his heart with his wife that we're going to, if it gets ugly, you're my sister. They are siblings, half siblings, but we're going to play that card instead of husband and wife. But it goes on. By faith, again, we see in the next verse, verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Now, if you know Abraham at all, and we are going to keep reading, but I want to just keep interrupting, I guess. Uh, If you know Abraham at all, you understand that he was... A a tent dweller a tabernacle dweller he did not settle for things of which had a different foundation he did not settle for what this world could offer he was looking for that city he was looking for that foundation of whose builder and maker is God are we doing that Are we settling for kind of the church that the Lord had described, kind of the the church that the Lord had established and started, uh, a church that somewhat has the fruit of a New Testament church, according to what we read in the New Testament of God's Word? Or are we looking to adhere to and find a foundation whose builder and maker is God? Beloved Baptists? this is what leads us to be peculiar. This is what leads us to have these distinctives that are separating us from the other uh, denominational institutions, if you will, is because the foundations for which we will settle on, the foundations for which we look to build, the foundations for which we know God has respect of are those he built, those he made, those he has preference for, those he has decreed in his word for us to desire. It's not natural. It's not a natural affection for us to desire holy things, to desire God. What is it that Christ Jesus says? We have to deny ourselves and follow after him. Deny ourselves and bear our cross and follow after him. That shouldn't sound easy. None of it. Denying ourselves, bearing our cross. Do you know the weight of your sins? Do you know how heavy your cross would be? Can you bear it? Deny yourself. Bear your cross and follow after him. Verse 11 we see, Through faith also, not of her looks, not of her wisdom, not of the beauty that was going to get Abraham in trouble twice, probably more, but through faith. Also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. I want to come back to verse 11, but we're going to continue. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. That him as good as dead ought to make you think of Genesis 22. It ought to make you tear up and think of Mount Moriah as that faithful Abraham rose up early, prepared for a three days journey to go to a mountain that God didn't even tell him The day before, what mountain it would be. He said, I'll tell you which one. But you're going to do this. This him that is good as dead is Isaac. You're going to take him to the mountain that I will let you know of. Read Genesis 22. The very first three verses. Describe it well. And you're going to slay him. He's as good as dead. Verse 13. These all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, For he hath prepared for them a city. We're going to come back to verse 16 as well. Verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, there in Genesis 22 on Mount Moriah, he offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. What promises that Abraham received, the biggest of which was Isaac? He waited his whole life for the fulfillment of this promised seed, this promised child. Offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure." And we'll continue reading as we hit into the fifth point. But as we look here at Abraham, we have before us the father of the believing, who is one of the Old Testament's greatest examples of faith. Abraham believed God. In verses 8 through 10, he believed God when he didn't know where he was going, where he's being sent. But he was called to go. Do we believe that God calls us to go but doesn't know where we're going? Of course not. But it's okay that we don't. It's okay to study when you don't know why you're studying. Uh, I'm I'm real bad about only investing time in things that I know what the fruit's going to be. Uh, But sometimes you study the Word of God, and it's not to preach. Uh, My pastor there in Temperance, before I uh, surrendered to preach, had pointed out to me when I was teaching Sunday school, some lessons are just for you. Some lessons you'll type up, you'll print up, you'll think they're great, and they're just for you. Sometimes it goes all the way to this point and it leaves your mouth in the pulpit, and you realize that was for you. You needed it. And it was probably for somebody else as well. But we don't have to know where we're being sent to understand that we're being called. That was the important thing, is that Abraham was called and went. In verses 11 through 12, we see that he believed God when he didn't know how, he didn't know how these things were going to come about. And if we look at Sarah there in verse 11, it's really astounding. And some might think this is a ridiculous example, but through faith she received strength to conceive seed. Through faith her body was made able to conceive a child. And you know what she did faithfully? She delivered it. Now some are going to think, well, of course she did. The baby's growing and growing and growing. Of course she delivered it. Should that not be how the gospel is for us? as though we are all impregnated with this growing living thing within us that has to be shared, it has to be fed, it has to be kept alive, it has to be used. Should we not deliver the gospel as though it is a child in the womb, ready to burst forth? Should we not have such excitement over our salvation that we cannot contain ourselves? This is how I read Sarah there in verse 11. Not ho-hum, she had a baby. Nine months went by, she had to deliver it. Uh, Mandy's going to find out soon. That's not the easy part. She delivered it because she had to, because she was given strength to bear it, strength to have it. And the next faithful thing, the next logical conclusion was for her to give it forth. That is the gospel that's in the born again in this room. That is the gospel that's in the born again who are watching or listening to this sermon. It is as though a child coming to fruition in the fullness of time. It must come out. It must be shared. Abraham believed God when he didn't know when. Verses 13 through 16. They desired a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he hath prepared for them a city. That phrase should sound familiar. And if you'll turn over to 2 Corinthians 6, I rarely get through a December where I don't quote this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord? hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And in what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, because of verse 16, verse 17 says, come out from among them. Why? Because you are a temple of God. God dwelleth in you. What you are involving the Holy Spirit in, What you, a, a mother who is pregnant shouldn't smoke, shouldn't drink alcohol, should eat well, should take care of the life within the womb. You have everlasting life within the womb. You should take care of that baby. You should take care of that life. There are those that are dependent upon it. Wherefore, because of that, come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Abstain from all appearances of evil, as we saw in Thessalonians here this morning. Let us read again, verse 16. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. He says, Come among, come out from these things, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 6, And will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Verse 1 of chapter 7, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all unfilthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness and the fear of God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He believed God... When he didn't know why, verses 17 through 19 maybe the most painful part of Genesis 22. We understand why Isaac had to die. And we see here that Abraham believed that God was able to raise Isaac. But in that time, in that time before the deliverance, he was likely not fully understanding why not fully understanding why a promise would be made by a God who's powerful enough to keep it, and yet Mount Moriah had to happen. Is this not what Simon Peter struggled with when he told the Lord Jesus, surely you should not be crucified, surely you should not die, I won't hear of it. Maybe a less heroic example. It's probably what each and every single one of us says when something's brought out by the law of God to be a sin, And our flesh says, it shall not die unto us. I like that thing. I desire that thing. I will not be without that thing. I will not hear of it. See, sadly, we're not as heroic as Simon Peter who wanted to keep his master alive. Most of us want to keep our sins alive. Most of us want to turn those tables back over in the temple and keep business going. Most Americans, at least, if you ask them what the worst part of COVID was, they'll say it was that they lost money that businesses shut down, that they couldn't readily go to McDonald's. But how many will say we couldn't go to the house of God? How many will say we could not openly witness of the gospel? How many will say that that was a blessing of God that put my kids in front of me every day and every night and made for me to spend quality time with them that I will not get back? How many will say... This is a reminder that God is in control of all things. It serves as a reminder that we have very little time left, and we must share the gospel. I can tell you that nearly 50 preachers did just that. I don't know how far it went, but that virtual conference we had nearly 50 preachers preach for 19 weeks, Monday through Saturday, on social media. Because our churches, some of our churches, temperance, we never closed, but some of our churches had to. Some of our churches were in such uh, dire straits with persecution, such government lockdown that they couldn't get together. How do you look back on COVID? COVID was not as hard as taking Isaac to top of Mount Moriah. Binding him, starting the fire that you knew would melt the flesh right off his bones and taking the dagger out of the sheave that you knew would pierce him straight through. COVID was nothing. COVID wasn't as hard as uh, what Elijah went through when he faced those false prophets of Baal. And that probably wasn't even as hard as when he faced the Israelites and said, choose ye this day whom ye shall serve. It's hard to stand in front of God's people and remind them they're loved and they're forsaking God. That's what he did. That's what he did. It was faith in God's word that made Abraham leave his home, live as a pilgrim, and follow wherever God led. Faith gave Abraham and Sarah power to have a child when they were as good as dead. And what I mean by them being as good as dead is, uh, heritage-wise, there was no offshoot No other branch coming off the family tree of Abraham and Sarah. Yes, there was Ishmael, but that's not Sarah's baby. That's Hagar's baby. Isaac was the promised seed. Without Isaac, they were as good as dead. Their lineage stopped with them. Abraham and his pilgrim descendants did not turn back, as the Hebrew leaders were tempted to do, but kept their eyes on God and pressed on to victory. Listen to Hebrews 10, verses 38 through 39 preference of God is that we shall live by faith and it says here now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul these next two we're in the middle of studying on Wednesday night so if you don't join us on Wednesdays you're, you might feel a little cheated we're not going to spend as much time on these but in Hebrews 11:20, we see Isaac This is our fifth example. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. He believed the word passed on to him from Abraham and conferred the blessings onto his sons. Uh, Our recent studies of Genesis reveal that his house was a mess, that he didn't lead well. Uh, He wasn't a perfect leader of of a home, let alone of of any religious uh, standing as far as how he raised his children. But though our study reveals his house to be out of order, we see clear evidence that Isaac indeed had faith that those blessings were real. When he trembled, when he teared up, when Esau came in and revealed that whoever had received that blessing wasn't him, Isaac knew the weight of what he was doing when he blessed his sons. He knew the significance of it. Perhaps in that moment, he remembered Mount Moriah. He remembered what had died for him in his place. Perhaps that trembling, perhaps those tears, were because he recognized the preference of God and his failure and fulfilling it. Hebrews eleven twenty-one. we see Jacob. By faith, Jacob, when he was a-dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. In spite of his failures, which we're just getting into in our Wednesday night study, Jacob had faith in God's word and blessed Ephraim and Manasseh before he died. Another imperfect vessel, one that uh, through encouragement, if nothing else, of his mother, Rebekah, was deceitful in his claiming uh, of the blessings that, uh, according to man, were meant for Esau. I have to say it that way because we know from Genesis 25, Esau was never going to get those blessings. That the older was going to serve the younger. That God had already made his decision, because that's what election is. God had already uh, signified in the the writings of the Lamb's Book of Life how this was going to go. He already knew who the great-great-great-great-great-grandfather of Jesus Christ was going to be in man's terms. And that wasn't going to change. Another imperfect vessel that believed so strongly in the preference of God that he turned toward deceitful methods in his covetousness of his father's blessings. Not the way of God, but there was still faith there nonetheless. I know there's a lot of details there that I'm skipping, and I hope you don't feel cheated, but we're covering those at length in our study through Genesis. I don't want to demean Isaac or Jacob but I also don't want you to worship them. What we uh, read of Revelation here in the first part of this message is significant. What does, uh, what is John told? What is the Revelator told? Worship God. This is the instruction of he who he spoke. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Revelation 22, 7, a little bit further down, he says, worship God. How do you worship God? Don't volunteer any answers. There's only two in spirit and in truth. That's how you worship God. Well, brother, I have a prayer closet. Good. Well, brother, I have a rosary. Eh. Well, I have this statue at home, this cross on the wall. Eh. You're not worshiping God. You're worshiping a piece of metal in the shape of a cross on the wall. You're worshiping a slab of stone that's been carved into the figure of a man, but it doesn't breathe. It doesn't speak. It doesn't hear. I'm not making this up. This is scripture. You don't worship statues and crosses or even prayers or priests or preachers, popes, presidents. You worship God, and you worship him through spirit and truth. Those are the only ways in which you will worship God. His will before yours It's the only way you're going to worship God. That is the definition of worship. Go read Genesis 22. Abraham was worshiping God. Probably not too many of us would line up for that worship service, but that was worship. Joseph is what we come to next in Hebrews 11, 22. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. And we're going to wrap here with... Uh, with Joseph. If you know Hebrews 11, there's a lot more examples. I encourage you to study it out. Maybe that'll become a lesson for one of these men to deliver in the year 2023. I love Hebrews 11. I've probably preached out of Hebrews 11 more than any other chapter in the book of of God. I, I don't say that because there's nothing else to teach anywhere else. I say that because these are men that live by faith. These are examples of the strength of faith. These are examples of the preference of God. Listen to Joseph. Joseph knew that Israel would one day be delivered from Egypt, for this is what God had promised. We see that what was told to Abraham in Genesis 15, verses 13 through 16, which was, And God said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a strange land, that is not theirs, and shall serve them. They shall afflict them. Well, he could be talking about anybody, right? They shall afflict them four hundred years. How long was the nation of Israel in Egypt? Mm-hmm. God was telling him in Genesis 15, what was going to happen at the end of our book of Genesis? What was going to happen at the beginning of our book of Exodus? And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. The plagues? And afterward shall they come out with great substance. The gifts. We talked about this briefly already. And thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. Genesis 50 verse 24. And Joseph said to his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. This is Joseph believing the word of God. Now listen, let's bring it all together here. How was Joseph used? I know we haven't got there yet in our Genesis study, but there is a great famine in the land, and there is nothing anywhere, and the only means of survival was to have something, and there was a whole lot of have-nots in that day. But God used Joseph. Joseph, a young man sold into slavery by his own brethren, who lied to his father, Jacob, and said that he was dead. He had moments and glimpses of, oh, this is how God's going to use Joseph. I mean, there's no no shame in reading the Bible that way. These are stories you don't know, and you get to uh, the situation before Potiphar's wife and think, this is how Joseph's going to be used, just to find out there's a twist. Read the Bible like it's the first time. See the wondering works of God. Joseph ends up in prison, interprets dreams, gets forgotten by those who are freed. But then in the fullness of time... In the fullness of time, God reveals a place for Joseph. And there's nobody in Egypt that can offer what Joseph offers. There's nobody in Egypt, seemingly, that can do the math that God has enabled Joseph to do. He's interpreting the dreams of of Pharaoh, those in power. And a plan is put together to survive this famine before it comes. Noah preached 120 years about a flood before it came. Sounds like the same God. It goes exactly the way God said it would, the way Joseph was, uh, was instructed, the way Joseph had instructed. It went swimmingly. And his own brethren are brought to Egypt because there's nowhere else to go. They're at the foot of their young brother. What was meant for evil, God intended for good. The nation of Israel, through Jacob and those and those sons, through Joseph, found its hope. Found in this situation its deliverance in Egypt. Four hundred years later, different pharaohs, different powers come into be, and it's as though Joseph is forgotten entirely. The Israelites are treated as slaves, and for all intents and purposes, they were. And the population problem concerning leadership was that they're going to get larger and larger and larger, and they might overtake us. They're not allowed to have children, living, surviving children anymore. And they're instructed to kill their firstborn. They're instructed to kill their own children in the name of remaining servants to the greatest picture of the world the Bible ever portrays, that being Egypt. This is Joseph. We're discussing here how they will be brought out. After 400 years, they will be brought out of servitude to this land that was once the land of deliverance, the land they were sent into, an incubation period of history. And as we said this morning, uh, the mistakes we make every day, we think there's no consequence to. But 400 years later, God has not forgotten. God still keeps his word. God still keeps his promise. The promise was upheld, Exodus 13:19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones away hence with you. This is Exodus 13:19, quoting Genesis 50, verse 24. In Joshua... There's a lot of time that passes through here. I mean, we're, we're talking between Exodus 13 and Joshua 24, the, the great exodus of the nation of Israel out of Egypt, the, the going through the wilderness after they've parted the sea, the wandering around, the spies in that we talked about this morning, the two honest spies, faithful spies rejected, a whole generation perishing in the wilderness, the young generation coming back into Canaan, uh, Joshua 5, which we talked about a few months back, and now in Joshua 24. Moses is dead. We heard that this morning. Moses is dead at this point. Who gave the order in Exodus 13 to keep the word that they had made to Joseph. In Joshua 24, 32, the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, in a parcel of ground with Jacob, bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph." What can we learn from this? There is no single man who could have kept that promise. There is no single man who would have lived 500 plus years to make sure this will of God was fulfilled. The will of God doesn't need Sarah's help. The will of God doesn't need Rebecca's help. He uses men and women as instruments as he sees fit, but he is not dependent on little old you or me. It is amazing that Joseph had any faith at all. We see troubled youth today. uh, Children without fathers, children without parents, children in foster, children in adoption, all of these things, and we say, that's so sad. What a a lost cause. This child's going to have such a hard time. How many of you had a multitude of brothers throw you in a pit? Sell you to to be a slave. You think of Joseph's beginnings as beyond humble, beyond a great lesson of humility, he was thrown away as trash and given away after that. After going through so many trials, after living in pagan Egypt most of his life, his faith was in an unchanging God that could not be changed by all these conditions. Potiphar's wife didn't change God's promises. She had a part to play, just as Pharaoh had a part to play in the exodus of the Israelites. We see Joseph go through all of this turmoil, all of this stress, all of these burdens, and we think, why? why? We're back to that why that we just talking about with Abraham. Likely he didn't understand it. I wonder how many uh, nights he spent in that dark cell after the, the the butler and such were removed and one lost his head. And I wonder how many nights he spent in that dark cell thinking, this is not how I saw things going. The invitation of Potiphar's wife to lustful sin, he rejected it. He feared God more than he feared Potiphar. This was not forgotten. This was not lost on God. Our last example is Moses. We see Hebrews 11:23 through29. By faith, again, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They feared God more than they feared the king. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches... Uh, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Verse 27, By faith Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as by dry land, which the Egyptians assaying to do were drowned. Moses' parents hid him three months before his mother, according to Exodus 2-3, took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags of the river brink. Faith was rewarded yet again. Exodus 2, the next few verses, verses 4-9, through 9, and his sister stood afar off to wit, and Miriam was known for standing afar off, to wit, what would be done to him? And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept, and she had compassion on him and said, "This is the one, this is one of the Hebrew's children." Then said his sister, not to Pharaoh's daughter, this is some Israelite girl, but to us, It is revealed this is his sister. She says to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? How hard it must have been to watch from afar off as your baby brother is cast into the river, floating on a a bulrush boat or ark. What could happen of him? And yet it's as though she's watching the will of God unfold before her very eyes. Shall I go and call a nurse of the Hebrew women? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called some random Hebrew woman. Mm-mm. She called Moses' mama. Probably the nearest Hebrew woman she could find. No. she. This is all intentional. This is the working of the Lord. She called Moses' mama. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Now, mother's... You undoubtedly know how hard nursing is, how hard it is to raise a child. This is a child she wasn't supposed to have, and now she's being paid to do it. Confounding, is it not? Is the will of God impossible? Yes. It's a good thing we have an impossible uh, God on the other end of it. One that can't be limited. One that can't probably be fully understood in this life. All these impossible consequences and situations... And yet it works out for his glory. Mama was paid to nurse her baby that she thought was as good as dead. Isaac, or Abraham said, Isaac and I, the lad and I, will return. Isaac was as good as dead. Noah said, For 120 year, years, judgment is coming. You're all as good as dead. Yet the eight aboard the ark we living, breathing examples of the mercy and grace of God himself. Moses' own faith led him to refuse a position in Egypt, as we see there in Hebrews, and to identify with Israel. Again, he saw the reward of faith in Hebrews 11:26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasure of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward, as opposed to the pleasures of sin for even a season. For their perspective times, these all lived like weirdos. These all lived very peculiar, believing in things that couldn't be seen. And yet Enoch never died, kept on walking. They believed in things that would be impossible to understand. And yet Abel's own blood spoke to God. Exodus 19.5, Now therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. They did things so strange, so weird. You ever put goat hair on your kid's hands to fool old dad? My wife and kids are so conniving at times, but they've never strapped goat to one of their hands to fool me. Isaac's probably going to do that now that I've thrown it out there. But How could this happen? How could this still be used? How is it redeemable? Deuteronomy 14, 2, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be weirdos, to be peculiar people unto himself, above all nations that are upon the earth. Now, I know that that verse is not saying weird, above all nations upon the earth, but I think it's fitting Christians were the weirdest nation upon the earth, and they flipped the world upside down, access. What do we do? Oh, it's getting real bad out there. Oh, man. Hope God's coming soon. Parentheses, because I'm not going to do anything until he does. You're Christians. You're weirdos. You're peculiar. Your forefathers were called zealots. Your forefathers didn't back down from giving the truth. And they weren't opposed to stand for the truth. Because by faith, they'd been delivered. Well, I couldn't possibly stand out from the crowd. I couldn't possibly go against the grain. You're given an opportunity every couple of months with the national holidays that we have. And there's really not a one of them that honors God. What do you do with those opportunities? Strap a mask on Junior and send him out for candy? Send the kids to bed early so you can trick them? Shove stuff in their socks on the mantle? Sing in unison with the Roman Catholic Church? Jingling bells instead of honoring God? Chasing after Easter eggs? That's not in the Bible, in case you didn't know. Titus 2:14 who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works to purify unto himself a bunch of weirdos that care for the preferences of God 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 through 10 is our last quote ye are a chosen generation A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. If what you're doing doesn't stand you out from this world, You're not honoring God. Christians have always been a bunch of weirdos, and they should be always a bunch of weirdos because straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Broad is the road. Broad is the road that so many are on. They're not being funneled into anything. They're going willingly. Beloved friends, this is hard to hear, isn't it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The preference of God is that ye be holy, for he is holy. That ye be peculiar, because he was. That ye be zealous. I bet there's not not a person that came into contact with Jesus in his ministry that didn't walk away and say, I don't know what he is, but he's zealous. I don't know what he is, but he's sure passionate about this thing he's talking about. I, I don't know where he gets all this, but he sure believes it. Hebrews 11:1, 1, where we saw in the beginning, I want to remind you the word evidence is the same word translated as conviction. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. And verse 3 is your greatest example of conviction. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Why do we stand against sodomy? Because God says it's wrong. Does that make us bigots? Probably. It makes us weirdos because everybody's okay with it. The world says it's not a problem. The world says that all sin is not a problem. We shouldn't be surprised. They're looking to pass laws now. We talked about this earlier about same-sex marriage. I don't know how that will affect the common law mess that most of our states have, but you could imagine it doesn't matter what laws men pass. We are called to fear and honor God, to worship in spirit and in truth God and God alone. Do you today sit comfortably with this world? Do you have faith in the preference of God the Father? Do you pursue after foundations that are firm and sturdy in Him and in Him alone? This is the only question you have left to answer. I ask you this day are you indeed born again?